following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this cloudy and rainy Thursday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you in studio on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Big day today. We have a lot of audio for you today from when Carter and I went to the Alabama High School Athletic Association Media Days on Tuesday. We have audio from the executive director, Alvin Briggs. We have audio from Hoover High's head football coach, Auburn High head football coach. We also have an interview with Karen Hoppe, the Auburn University women's soccer head coach. When I sat in on the drive on, I believe it was Tuesday as well, that we sat in uh, on the drive and had an interview with Karen Hoppe. So all of that audio and more for you today here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. We also have we have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He will be on in the second hour at 3.30 like he always is. Carter, man, how are you today? We have a lot going on this evening, our first high school game together. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an exciting day for sure. Uh, it's going to be... It's going to be a lot of, uh, I ha- guess... Had learned- you on the wrong mic, my bad. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's going to be an exciting day. It's going to be... Uh, a, a cool experience for us getting to do the show and then packing up everything and driving up to the game for our our first one together on the mic but uh I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Lee Scott Academy at Chambers Academy tonight, 7 o'clock. Broadcast starts at 6.30 on AU100. That's 100.3 on your radio dial. I'll be on play-by-play. Carter will be on color and camera work, so he will be doing all of that on AU100. That's 100.3 on your radio dial on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page or on the Lee Scott Sports Network YouTube channel. All three of them will work. You can find it uh, where, however you want to do it. It is completely up to you. So we will be packing up right after the show and heading to Chambers. Uh, that will be tonight at 7 o'clock. But here in this first segment, going to play the audio from Alvin Briggs, the executive director of the Alabama High School Athletic Association. Uh, his comments about the upcoming athletic season, talking about football as Auburn High takes on Hoover tomorrow night. So sit back, relax, enjoy Alvin Briggs, the executive director of the AHSAA. They had the same passion uh, when they were teachers and, and walking down the hallways at, at, in their communities and their schools. Um, I'm, I'm going to echo uh, a lot of things of what they said. I'm going to start with Ken. Uh, Ken has one of the toughest jobs in this office. The toughest job in this office. Uh, it's a lot tougher than what I do. It's a lot tougher than what Kim does. a lot tougher because his job is to try to recruit and maintain a group of people that get abused no matter what call they make. 
It doesn't matter what call they make or what call they don't make. They get abused. Uh, it's not like when I participated 10 years ago. Wow, no because I remember uh, the local judge as being one of our, our game officials. I remember a fireman being one of our football officials. I remember uh, a teacher from one of the local schools being a baseball umpire, and that was no abuse. Those, those people are not calling our games anymore. You know, because of the abuse. The other thing that we're, the other way we're losing officials is because of age. We have a lot of officials because, and Ken mentioned COVID. Uh, it was because of their age and they were concerned with, with COVID and how it would affect their livelihood and, and, and their sicknesses. A lot of them had different ailments and they didn't know how it was going to affect them. Uh, and so, we, we lost several, several thousand of officials. Uh, Ken has done a great job along with the Officials Foundation and, and, and trying to recruit and maintain those officials. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to promote that. And again, he does a great job. And he had one of the hardest jobs. Um, David Halford forgot to mention that he's in charge of these sports. Esports is another one of our growing sports. This past year from Bob Jones High School, we had a young man give a scholarship to go to Ole Miss, and that scholarship is going to be worth $700 million when it's all over with. Can you imagine? That's the kind of money that is going to be potentially put into him at Ole Miss from an esports scholarship. Who would have thought video games would be I mean, but that's it. We have a whole lot of people. Also, just had a kid yesterday from Bob Jones that's won the last two Madden championships signed with Bethel University. Madden. <laughs> I mean, you know, what we what we offer our young people, and what we continue to try to offer our young people, is just what we're here for. Uh, Jeff mentioned uh, flag football. We're also bringing back because of COVID. The past two years, we weren't able to have a unified football game. They will be back this year. So on Wednesday, we will have a jam-packed field. We will have a unified football game, a flag football game, and our 7A state championships. And the Auburn Opelika community does a heck of a job in supporting our Super 7. Uh, Mayor Ron Anders, who's, who's not here today, spearheaded that with D. Mark Mitchell, who's back here today. Uh, in the back that came late today that's here. I was not late out. <laughs> uh, you know, they do a great job. Uh, it's, you know, their, their unselfishness and willingness to host our Super 7 in back-to-back -back years with their volunteers speaks volume of that community all over the life. So uh, we want to thank them for, for their efforts and they're doing that. Um, you know, we, we are here to as Kim said, and all of our uh, sport directors, we're here for 190,000 student athletes and 418 member high schools and over 300 member middle schools. That's who we're here to serve. 
That's who we're here to support. That's who we're here to give support to. Uh, this 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 office and this this association is not a self-serving association. You know, we're here for our, our membership, and uh, we support our membership, and our, our membership support us. Uh, from Bubba Scott and Dan Washman and Steve Savarese, uh, that's what this association is all about. And so uh, we will continue to keep keep the train on the rails uh, and look forward to a exciting 22-23 uh, school year. Um, I, want, I want to end with a little story on how important the media serves our membership. Uh, and and it's, it's a self-serving story. Um, as uh, Josh Bean and Ron Ingram uh, put together a little, little, and they call it an op-ed, um, uh, they put together a little, little uh, story uh, about the association that, that kind of tagged me in a little bit. As uh, it stated in there, I grew up in, as a athlete in the Alabama High School Flex Association. Uh, and from the little Greenville, Alabama. And I went home to see my mom uh, yesterday. And she had some ladies in the neighborhood uh, there visiting. And uh, I, I go through the door expecting uh, maybe that they're talking about church or what was going on in the neighborhood. And one of the ladies' son who I played with is having a class reunion, and she was looking for news clips to show for her son to show at their class reunion. And they were talking about how the newspaper in Montgomery and the Greenville Advocate and those, uh, those uh, media outlets had had so many clippings of all those students that, that will participate. You know, they got a chance to hold on to those and those things are close to 40 years old. So you just imagine what you're doing for those communities when, when you write stories, those positive stories that you write about each one of those athletes in those communities. When you interview them and put them on Twitter, That's how important you are. Because that's a lifetime of memories that somebody get to relish and enjoy. So don't forget the importance that you serve and the importance that, that you, you maintain with our membership, with our schools. Do you always get the things you want? Probably not. But I promise you the smiles and the pictures, the lasting memories that you make for those young people. It's just important as what we do in this office. So I want to thank you again for what you do. Uh, and at this time, I will open the floor uh, for questions. Anybody got any questions? Coach, you got some pretty good teams playing down here. Some from the Birmingham area. How excited are you to get that kickoff here? Oh, it's, it's so exciting. I mean, to, to be able to, to have the, uh, 
the four teams that we have coming in. Uh, Brandon started working on, on, on these teams uh, the week after last year's kickoff classic. And uh, matter of fact, uh, had called Coach Edward and, and Coach Nibbler at the time before he left and, and went to Georgia. And they agreed right then and there. No, no if, ands, or but about that. I mean, it was a week. And then they hadn't even started their season yet. And they agreed to play in the championship. So I want to give applause to Brandon uh, for, for, for thinking out the block, box that quick and getting those two same teams signed up. And then to get Helena and, 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 and Clear down here and Chelsea down here. Uh, you know, that community, what that game means to that community, and then to come down here, bring down the money on is another exciting. That shows that those two programs are excited about showcasing what they what they're doing and what they're doing. So we're really excited about it. Other questions? I've got another one. Um, the official situation, how worried are you? Is there any chance that games could be missed because of the shortage? Nationally that's that is that is that is what is happening. Uh, nationally we're having they're having to play some games it, it all depends on where you're at in the country. Some of them starting on Wednesday night, some of them are played on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. And some of those same officials are calling three or four games uh, because of the shortage. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I haven't seen the clip, uh, but I've heard about it, about the young man getting killed at a youth game. You know, and, and then all the violence you see in the AAU basketball games, uh, you know, that you see clips of. I don't know much about them, you just see them. I mean, that, that's a deterrent. I mean, you know, no one wants to be involved in that. I mean, it's hard to, to, to believe that uh, it, it's come to those things. I mean, so uh, uh, that, that, that really makes you worried. And, uh, as Coach Avery said some five years ago, that this train work is going to happen at some point. We just hope we can hit it off. Uh, but uh, we're heading that direction. Question back here. Uh, just to reiterate on the officials, I know post COVID, a lot of industries like lifeguards and substitute teachers, they rose the pay to attract some more uh, people to join the industry. Is that something you're considering with these officials? I know Ken has that on an agenda. He's got some committees that they're looking at that. We have an official committee. And we just, you know, of course, you know, we raised the pay about four, four years ago, four years ago. And, and we brought it up to what we are, we believe nationally. I think we're above some, uh, some states around us. But that's always an evaluation. But we can't price our schools out either. You know, as, as things change, you guys have to remember, you know, what our schools and what our communities, you know, can afford. We have to maintain that. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's one of those things that, you know, we look at. But we also uh, can, this week, had a, had a young man who's, 16 years old uh, who wants to be an official for one of our local basketball associations. So we're having to get a lot of parental uh, signatures on that and uh, going to bring them up through the ranks. They have a plan for them with middle school and uh, some of the recreation leagues. And so, you know, hopefully we can, you know, feed into that and get some of his friends. We got a question for you. All day long, kid that wants to be an official. I know if he decided to go back and play sports, will he be still eligible to be able to play sports? Yes, sir. Get paid for that. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Last year, we talked about the shot clock in basketball. Can you give us an update on the progress of that? Before well, we, this year? we did a survey uh, this past January, and our schools wasn't in favor of it at this time. Um, uh, there, there's various reasons. Um, you know, we will put it back on the survey uh, again this year. Uh, in 23, uh, the, the National Federation gave states op, you know, the option of fully going to the shot clock. But that's going to that's strictly, strictly be a membership driven. Uh, you have to think about the cost of the shot clock. Uh, there's a lot of things we, you know, we haven't even come close to even thinking about how we're going to regulate it, who's going to run the shot clock, the rules. You know, that's, I mean, you look at the NCAA, there's various difference between the men and women's games. You know, when, you know, when is one does the touch, other touch, when it goes out, when it starts back at 20, 25 and start at 15. You, have to, you know, there's a lot of things you've got to work out. And, uh, once the, the memberships decide that's what they want, we'll form a basketball committee and we'll, we will set those up. And it, it won't be one of those things that we'll go directly into it. And there's some of the updates from Alvin Briggs, who is the Alabama High School Athletic Association Executive Director. Uh, just some updates on uh, from him about the upcoming uh, season in high school athletics because, look, high school football, high school athletics, they do matter, and they're really big here in the area. And so with the high school football season getting underway tomorrow night for a lot of the AHSAA schools, including Auburn High, uh, we wanted to play some of that. Not all of it, but some of it, too, to give you some updates about what the AHSAA is is thinking and some of the updates from them coming into the high school season. Let's take our first break here in hour number one. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of On the Line when we come. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Well, we've got um, some good sound bites from Hoover High head coach and Auburn High School head coach because tomorrow it's one of the biggest games across the state, and it's a game that has big-time um, uh, implications to start the season. These two teams are not obviously in region play or, or area, whatever, but they're two big-time schools in high school football, Hoover and Auburn, and they kick off the season tomorrow in Montgomery. Uh, there's so much talent running across the field. Of course, Auburn High has a couple of guys coming to Auburn University. Uh, Hoover has pumped them out over the years, and so uh, really interesting and excited to see how that game goes down tomorrow night in Hoover. But yesterday or on Tuesday when we were at the media day, we heard uh, Hoover High head coach talking about this upcoming matchup, talking about the upcoming season. It's his first year. As the Hoover High, as Hoover's head coach, and so he got to talk about what it means to be in this position, the expectations for Hoover, all of that good stuff. So uh, again, we have some audio from that. We got to record, have a uh, have a discussion with him during his press conference. So here is that uh, from Hoover High on the uh, Alabama High School Athletic Association media day on Tuesday. A great time talking with him. Please welcome the Hoover High School head coach Wade Walker. Um, two, on behalf of Hoover, uh, we would just like to say thank you. We're grateful to be in this game. Um, first year on the job to get to play on this stage against this quality of opponent. Um, I'm excited about it. I know our kids are excited about it. Um, today joining us, I've got A.J. Franklin, offensive lineman senior. 
senior wide receiver KJ Law, senior defensive back Keith Christine. Um, you know, obviously elephant in the room, new guy, following a guy that's been somewhere for 14 years on a, on a, in a great program. Um, I'm just ecstatic to be the head football coach at Hoover. Um, the kids have been amazing. They have been awesome through the transition, um, getting to know these guys, getting to form relationships with these guys. Um, it is a very special place, and, and when you get to the when you get there, and you just see what these guys do year round, how they work, um, the people that are involved, the network, the support network. It's a great place, and um, we're just we're excited to be a part of this game today. Coach, uh, what's the toughest part about this Auburn football team as you look on tape and? When you get into the Crampton Bowl Friday night, what will be some of the emotions that will be going through your head the first game as head coach over hot? Yeah, the toughest part is sitting right back in those chairs, those three guys. They've got really good players. Um, they're very well coached. I think defensively they're as well coached as anybody in the state of Alabama. Um, they play very hard. Uh, they play great football. And, um, you know, at the end of the night, it's, it's going to come down to these guys making plays on, on both sides and, and us as coaches having them in position to, to make those plays. Um, but it, it's a football game. You know, I got to be a part of this game a few years ago um, at a previous school and, uh, you know, understanding the dynamic of how this all works is, is going to be better than it was for us the first time I got to do this. But it's a football game. You know, we're going to go through warm-ups, we're going to put our pads on, we're going to go play. And, you know, I think Coach would probably agree the team that plays the cleanest, best football is going to have the best opportunity to win. And, um, you know, I know our kids will be ready and I'm, I'm sure their kids will be ready as well. Coach, um, obviously we took this job, it's no secret, one of the top jobs in the state. A lot of pressure, I'm sure, right when you got to Hoover. What's it been like? And I saw on Monday you guys were at the, getting the support at the mall with everyone. What's Has it been more than what you expected? And going into the game now, you're right. It's about football, though, at the end of the day. It is. The pressure, you know, every coach sitting on this stage watching this, they have pressure. They put pressure on themselves to do things right. And, and I've said this over and over, the pressure is to do things right every day. To prepare yourself for the game and in the off season when you have all that time managing that that's where the pressure really comes the friday night's going to be a result of the things we do right or we do wrong along the way um the support is is unbelievable as, as someone looking on the outside in for 20 years of coaching um you know we all form perceptions of a program without being inside that program but to be inside that program and um, now see the people that are involved and uh, the support network that's there and how many people make that go from admin, um, athletic department administration to parents, uh, support groups, it's unbelievable. And, and Sunday was just a product of uh, many years, a lot of people being very invested in that program and, and doing things the right way. But um, look, I've seen it from the outside to get to be in the Galleria on Sunday and, and see all those people there supporting these guys. I know they were fired up because they had not been back in that venue, I, I think, since COVID. Is that correct, guys? And for them to get to be seniors and be a part of that is a special day. Oh, Rosie. Just following up with that, what does it mean to you and your team to play at a historic place like the Prince of Yeah, it, it's the biggest stage you could have this week. And uh, to be able to be on that stage with a great team and then with great players, um, it's, you know, it's what every coach, I think, would want. Um, you know, these two guys from Shelby County, I was fortunate enough to be at one of those programs uh, when they made the transition to 6A years and years ago. Um, I know we would have given anything at that point in time to be on this stage. So it's a big stage, and our, our kids are going to embrace it. They're going to appreciate it. You know, we're, we're fired up to be here. Because uh, a lot of schools, when you get to your first year, this is kind of that transition phase. Maybe not expected to win as much. When you're in a program like Hoover with the expectations to win almost every single Friday night, do you feel that pressure? And do you feel the pressure to get to a Super 7 this season? Yeah. 
everywhere you feel the pressure to win. And um, I, I will say, these young men sitting over there, you know, they know they know what the expectations and the standards are. I think when you take a job and you go into a job, and I, I've been, you know, fortunate enough to be at some really good places, some great communities, and, and I'm just gonna say quickly, seeing the videos from the the Chelsea uh, pep rally that they had the other day. My family, I mean, that just meant a lot to us to see that, because that's a very special place. Um, but a big part of the job is getting kids to believe. So some audio from the Hoover head coach as they are getting ready to take on Auburn High again, one of the biggest games across the state tomorrow night in high school football on Friday night. Big-time matchup. We have audio from Coach Etheridge from Auburn High. We'll play that a little bit later on in the show. But again, these games are important, and high school athletics matter because you get better in high school, you go and play big-time college football, and there's no doubt that in the state of Alabama, there's some big-time high school athletes that go on to play some big-time college football in this state. So big matchup tomorrow, Hoover and Auburn. Halfway through hour number one here on this Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. We got a whole lot more coming up. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on this Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, continuing, we've got a bunch of audio today that we've been building up over the week and we have just... We haven't had the time to to share it with you yet, the listener, and so uh, excited to be able to start doing that a little bit. We're going to talk some football and some Braves and, got, and that kind of stuff, so don't you worry. We are going to talk about it, but on Tuesday, I had the chance to sit in on The Drive. Of course, that's the show that comes on after us from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7. I sat in with Dan Peck, who is the co-host of The Drive, and we talked to Karen Hoppe, the head coach of the Auburn women's soccer coach, uh, or yeah, the, uh, women's soccer team, I should say. We talked to her about the upcoming season. She's going into her, oh man, she's been there over 20 years. I mean, she has been the Auburn soccer coach for a long, long time, and there's a lot of talent, and they get started tonight at the Auburn Soccer Complex, and so we sat in, uh, joined in on that interview. It was a great, great job. She She's fantastic, gives a lot of good information, talks about the players coming back on her team, what to expect from Auburn soccer and Auburn athletics this year uh, as she is going back for uh, just another unbelievable season for Auburn soccer. So, head coach Karen Hoppe, this was on the drive. Okay, this was on the drive on Tuesday. We're going to play the audio. I sat in on the interview. Here's Karen Hoppe, head coach of Auburn Women's Soccer on Tuesday's edition of The Drive. Uh, Karen Hoppe, who we are, we are thrilled to have on the show. Coach, sorry for the delay in getting in touch with you, uh, but thank you for making some time for us. And, and again, congratulations on, uh, on, on, a, uh, on an incredible run here at Auburn and, and looking forward to another, another great season. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm really excited for year number 24. That, that is a, that's a remarkable run uh, in, in any sport uh, for a coach at, at one school, and, and you've had uh, tremendous success uh, here at Auburn. It's, uh, it's another year. It's, uh, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. What can, you tell us about, uh, uh, what can you tell us about the upcoming season, Coach? Well, listen, we're really excited. We, we've got a great group. 
I figured out it's the first time in the last five years that we're actually looking at starting a veteran lineup that's majority upperclassmen, juniors and seniors. So uh, hopefully that'll mean a little less gray hairs for us coaches. But, um, you know, it means it's a really experienced group. We've got a ton of talent, and um, we're, we're excited about the possibilities of what they can achieve this year. Any, any, upper, uh, any upperclassmen in particular that, uh, that, that folks should watch out for? You know, um, it, it's such a great group. You know, we returned 10 of the 11 starters from last year, and, um, you know, they, they're all playing really well. I think Emmy Craven, our center back, um, our 6'2 center back is back for her fifth year of playing, her COVID year, and so is Haley Whitaker. So those two are looking at having the opportunity to be five-year starters for us. So that's that's pretty pretty special, and they're playing really well. Um, and then our, our goalkeeper is going into her third year now as a starter, Maddie Prochaska, and she's really, really put in a lot of work in the offseason and elevated her game. And then, of course, uh, Anna Haddock. And Marissa Arias, both of them coming back as two of our leading goal scorers and were all SEC uh, performers last year. So th- those are some, uh, I think, the, the key players to watch. Speaking with Coach Hoppe here on the drive, your first two games against Old Dominion and then Southern Miss. The third game, you traveled to Tallahassee to take on Florida State. <laughs> they were the number one team in the country when they came to Auburn last year. It was a tough loss on the Plains, but one of the best games of the year, really. Uh, what's the mindset going to Tallahassee this year returning and trying to return the favor and beating the, the Seminoles this year? Well, listen, it's always a great opportunity. You know, you look at that game, and there's a lot less pressure on that game. And, you know, obviously we're focused right now on Old Dominion because that's the next game. Um, but Old Dominion and Southern Miss really are much bigger games. You know, we'll go into Tallahassee as underdogs. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for a measuring stick for us. They're the defending national champions. And let, let's go see how we can do against the defending national champions at their place. So that'll be a real, really big measuring stick. But obviously for us, the most important game is Thursday. Coach, what can you tell us about an offseason bringing back so much of your starting lineup from, from the previous year? Because I imagine it's probably not the same as when you have to uh, you, you have to introduce a bunch of new players into the, the, the Coach Hoppe way of doing things. <laughs> right. Well, the best thing I can tell you about offseason is we had one this year. You know, it was the first time in three years because, you know, our offseason is spring. Spring 2020 obviously got shut down. Um, and then spring 2021, we were still playing in-season games in that goofy COVID year where we played half our games in the fall and half our games in the spring. So really for us to actually have an off-season and for all those players apart from Craven and Whitaker, it was their first ever off-season uh, with us. So it was great. The development was great. As you mentioned, the, so many returning players, they're at a higher level, so we don't have to start with the basics. Um, and it, it was just a great spring of really helping the players develop, helping the team grow. We played a couple of different formations and tried to teach them some new tactics and, and then really focused on their individual player development. So it was really fun to have an offseason again. Talking with Auburn soccer coach Karen Hoppe here on the Tuesday edition of the drive coach uh so so what is new about this team versus last year you mentioned uh, that you yeah i mean it's 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 crazy to think that so much of the starting lineup has returned from a team that was pretty good at, at the end of uh, of last season uh, but what what has uh, uh what can you introduce into the program and has and has the transfer portal uh, affected uh the the uh the the world of soccer the way the way we've seen it affect some of the other sports in in college athletics yeah i'll answer that second part first yes absolutely the transfer portal has 
definitely affected our sport in the way it's affected a lot of the other sports, and it, it's been been big in our sport. We did not pick up any in the transfer portal this year, but um, we have two of our fifth-year seniors uh, from the transfer portal last year, Grace Sklopan, who was a, a full-time starter last year, and then Sabrina McNeil, who got hurt in exhibition last year. She was going to play her COVID year for us last year. So now she's redshirted that year, and um, Sabrina McNeil will come back, and she'll be one to watch for sure with the Tigers because she hasn't got to play with us yet, and every single day as she comes back from that injury, she's getting better and better. So I expect her to be a big impact um, for sure. And then what's new with us, um, you know, our back line will definitely be new, missing, obviously, the graduation. Alyssa Melanson is playing pro now. And then Mal Mooney um, did get hurt uh, late in the fall in some off-season training, so after season. So Mal is still working back from that injury. She was our starting right back. So we'll, we'll have some new faces in that back line. Um, LJ Knox has played quite a bit there, and so has freshman Hayden Colson. And then um, Madeline Moore is also returning from injury, and she's played in the last two exhibition games. If fans remember, she got hurt. Nine minutes into the Georgia game, that was our first SEC game starting center back, and and so we did not have her for any of SEC play, and she is um, has played some really quality minutes in these exhibition matches. So we'll be really glad to have her back as well. Coach Appa, you bring back Maddie Prohaska, the junior goalkeeper. She'll be starting for you again. I would assume she has played fantastic for Auburn so far. What does it mean to bring back somebody like Maddie Prohaska in goal that is just so skilled and just so knowledgeable of the position? Yeah, you know, having a, a veteran goalkeeper is just massive. The experience is everything in the goalkeeping position because you learn from that game experience and there's nothing that can replicate it. It's kind of like a quarterback in football whereby, you know, a freshman quarterback is a lot different than a guy who's starting his third year um, in quarterback. So it's really similar to that. I mean, her leadership ability back there, her ability to organize the back line, she's great with her feet. Um, and she's really made a massive commitment to her game in this spring. And I think she'll be... Um, at least so far in preseason, she's played the best soccer she's played so far. Her ability to make saves, that range has extended. Her ability with her left foot now has really grown. Her quickness has grown. And I think, you know, we're going to see Maddie Prosta playing at another level this season. Coach, it's it's striking how in so many of the different sports at Auburn University, the experience the, the, the home field advantage is is emphasized in in recruiting and and in marketing and it's it's one of the really important aspects you know I think about the Jordanier Stadium and uh, I I keep calling it Auburn Arena I'm gonna get out I'm gonna get out I'm gonna eventually I'm gonna it's it's gonna be Neville Arena you know without effort uh, so, someday and and of course the uh, the the expansions were just announced at, at Plainsman Park to to much fanfare uh, we we talked about that a couple of weeks ago it, it's a I mean it can get pretty rowdy. At, at, at the uh, at, at the soccer facility too. I mean, that's that's something that uh, you know I want to I want to encourage and I want to give you a chance uh, to encourage Auburn fans and especially uh, the Auburn students that just got back uh, to uh, to check out a soccer game. Yeah, no no doubt that that home field advantage is massive in all sports. I think um, and soccer is no different. And when we get a big crowd at the Auburn Soccer Complex, it really you can literally see it lift our team. And you know they play with you know a little quicker step and and a little more motivation, and, and that really, you know, helps our team and, and helps propel them to, to victory and playing harder and all, all of the things. And, boy, when we get a good crowd there, it's awesome. It's an awesome environment. They're beating on the buckets, you know, with a little rhythm to the drums and cheering. And, you know, we've, we've actually developed some pretty good hecklers in the last couple of years where we got some students out there heckling the opponent, which um, 
we always kind of chuckle because we certainly get it when we go on the road in the league. So it's nice that we give it back a little bit. Um, but it, it definitely helps, and I, and I could not encourage everybody more. We kick off the Auburn Athletics season for the first team to play, the first team to play at home, and that's Thursday at 6.30 and then again Sunday at 2. Um, and we'd love to have some big crowds in both those games. Uh, no, I, I totally agree, Coach. I mean that that is uh, it, it's it's a great experience and, and something that uh, especially when the when the weather cooperates. I mean that that is a, a wonderful way uh, to spend an afternoon or, or an evening with the uh, with 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 you and your team. And and yeah, that's yeah, how, how about yeah? You guys are sort of batting leadoff this season, right? You get the first the first athletic event of the uh, of the calendar is going to be at the uh, is going to be at the complex. Yeah, yeah, we usually do. You know, we usually start a, a week or so before volleyball and uh, obviously a couple of weeks before football. So um, that, that's something, too, our players take great pride in. You know, they know they're not just – it's not just the first soccer game. It's the first event in our – you know, we've got a great group of players. And they take great pride in, in wearing that Auburn on their uniform and representing the university. And they, they're really motivated to kick off not just the soccer season but the athletic season on, on the right foot on Thursday. We're talking to Coach Hoppe here on The Drive on ESPN 106.7. Coach, one thing that I noticed was a rule that the NCAA has in place when I was broadcasting some of the games last year with Weagle, the student radio station, was the the NCAA rule about the t- the temperature on the field and having players take the, the mandatory breaks. Is that obviously it's a it's a great safety precaution, but, you know, it, do you do you like the rule for the safety aspect? And then does it mess up the flow of the game at all? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, don't ask me how to calculate it, but it's a wet bulb globe temperature of over something, I think 82 degrees or something. I don't know what the wet bulb is, but there's some science to it um, that tells us if it gets a certain number, then the players get a water break. And, you know, it's one of those things. I am happy now that the rule is black and white. There's a measuring stick, and we either have it or we don't because there was so much gamesmanship before when it was the rule was both coaches have to agree. And you can quite imagine, tactically, some coaches might want that timeout and some coaches might not. Um, usually, it would favor, like you said, the team that was maybe the underdog or the team that did not have the flow of the game at that time. The, the water break timeout would would be an advantage for that um, particular team. So now I like it. It's a black and white rule. There's no, no debate, no argument. Either we have it or we don't. Um, and then either way, we our aim always is if we have them to make it our advantage. You know, we'll take that time to try and get the players' information, get them water. We can check on them, see how fresh they are, if somebody needs a sub or not. And, um, you know, we always aim to be better coming out of that timeout if we have them um, than we were going in. Coach, I, I know you, uh, you've you got the games this week uh, that, that are that are top of mind, and I'm not I'm not asking you to look past <laughs> Old Dominion. I I call games for the the Troy women's basketball team, and Old Dominion just joined the Sun Belt. So I mean, I, oh, I, sure. I, yeah, watch out. I mean, Sun Belt teams yeah. Sun Belt teams live to come to SEC schools and and spoil things, and and you're you're well aware. So I'm not asking you to look past Old Dominion. In the SEC schedule, is there any is there any game in particular you can pick a couple if you like uh, that that when when you first saw the schedule or going through this off season you you have circled as as really big games for the team. Well, gosh, you could say that about every SEC opponent. Really, the league is so good. Um, I I think the players have circled Alabama for sure. Um, we've lost them the last couple of times, and that is not normal. Not the normal case for for Auburn the Auburn-Alabama soccer rivalry. So um, that is one 
if you ask the team, they have it circled on the on the calendar for sure. And then, you know, we play the top two teams from last year in Arkansas and, and Tennessee. So, you know, and we don't we play everybody in the West Division and then we play four crossovers from the East that will rotate each year. So, you know, obviously we always play Arkansas, but Tennessee we didn't play last year. So getting the opportunity to play the top two teams in the league is, is exciting for sure to have them on our schedule. Coach Hoppe, as y'all get started in just a couple of days for this 2022 season, what are the vibes like right now with the players on the team? How are they gelling and, and meshing together as you guys get ready for the season? Yeah, you know, they're, um, I think the vibe is really good. They're going to be bouncing off the walls on Thursday. You know, we left last season, you know, we kind of limped into playoffs. We got upset in NCAAs, and we, we feel like there's unfinished business. And, you know, we've got work to do for sure. Um, but I think they they are so excited to kick off this season. We've been hungry since last November um, to kind of finish what we didn't finish last year. So that is definitely the vibe. Um, you know, as far as the chemistry on the field, I think that's a work in progress. We um, played at Memphis. We didn't play great in an exhibition. Now we limited a lot of players in the minutes they played in exhibition, just trying to keep them fresh and healthy. Um, but we didn't gel offensively as well as we wanted. So that's something we're really focusing on and, and uh, working towards being better on Thursday night. Old Dominion and Southern Miss this weekend and then the matchup with Florida State uh, on the horizon. But you've got two Sunbelt teams. I you forgot to mention, yeah, Southern Miss also a new arrival uh, to the Sunbelt Conference. So two of the teams that jumped into the belt uh, starting the uh, season off uh, here in, in Auburn. Uh, and uh, what, what can you tell us, I guess, briefly about uh, the uh, about the old Miss team or about the old Dominion team uh, that you're going to open the season with, Coach? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's a good team. And they actually played Southern Miss in their old conference championship game last year. And it was a one-goal game, and they both are really high-level teams. Old Dominion won. They went on to the NCAA tournament, and they lost in the NCAA tournament to Duke, only 1-0 with 26 seconds left on the clock. So that tells you what a high-level team that they are. Um, this is going to be a really, really tough test. We expect them to be you know, well-organized, strong defensively. they got some dangerous attacking players. So it's going to be a, a really good first test for opening night. Outstanding, Coach. Thank you again for, for making some time for us. Old Dominion at the soccer complex at 6.30 to start the season, and then you've got Southern Miss at 2 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, appreciate you making some time for us again, Coach. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. War Eagle. That was Auburn University head women's soccer coach Karen Hoppe on the drive on Thursday, or on Tuesday, it was me and Dan Peck. We sat in and, and interviewed the head coach of the women's soccer team over at Auburn University, Karen Hoppe. She's always great. I've interviewed her a couple times. She does uh, fantastic work as the head coach, and she gave us a great interview. So big thank you to Karen Hoppe, the head coach of Auburn women's soccer uh, over at the university. Let's take our final break here in hour number one. We'll come back, talk a little bit of Atlanta Braves, and then the start hour number two, we're going to talk some Auburn football. All that and more coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on this Thursday afternoon on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Auburn Open like a sports leader. Let's talk a little Atlanta Braves real quick as we have about two minutes before we get out of here for hour number one. Max Freed was, he was called up. He is out of concussion protocol. He's starting tonight against DeGrom uh, against the Mets. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be a great matchup uh, between Freed and DeGrom just because Freed's been so good, especially recently. I mean, uh, a couple weeks ago, he, won, I guess, had his 100th start and it was 70-30, and 30, uh, the Braves were, in games where he starts. So it'll be a good matchup, but DeGrom's so good. Yesterday went a little bit like we expected. Uh, yeah. Scherzer was awesome. Scherzer was really great. The, Which is no surprise. The uh, rain delay had me hoping it was... I was hoping that rain delay was going to stretch out a, a little longer to make it harder to to bring Scherzer back in and have him get deep into the game. Um, but pretty much as soon as Scherzer left the game, the Braves climbed back into it, uh, hit a couple... Or Robbie Grossman hit his second home mm-hmm. run of the series. Um, and you... I liked what the Braves did on offense. It's just the the pitching wasn't quite up to the level that you had seen the previous two days. Um, Odorizzi was not great, uh, and then you saw you saw Kirby Yates. They're still trying to work him back into it, and uh, he gave up another run, and it just it kind of got away from the Braves a little bit. Well, when you give up nine runs, I mean, it's hard to expect to win. You still scored seven. The Braves lose nine to seven. And you gave up three of those nine in the top of the ninth inning. You got two of Mm -hmm. them back, but you you came within one and you tried to get back in it, but then you give up three runs top of the ninth. I mean, you just, you cannot expect to win baseball games when you give up three runs in the top of the ninth inning uh, at home. I mean, again, you get two of them back in the bottom of the ninth. The Braves lose nine to seven. They're still up two one in the series. Game four, the final game of the series is tonight it's DeGrom and Freed going at it in Atlanta we'll see how it goes I think you know obviously whichever starting pitcher plays better but then it's going to be up to the bullpens as well because I don't think there's going to be many runs scored in the first five innings but then after that when the starters get pulled we'll see how the bullpens do game four tonight Braves and Mets Uh, it should be a good one that's it hour number one officially in the books we'll talk some Auburn football to start hour number two when we come back You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 1067. Mm-hmm. We've got a whole nother hour with you here in the studio. If you missed any of hour number one, lots of good audio from uh, the AHSAA executive director. We played audio from Auburn High School football coach, Hoover High School football coach. And well, well, I think Auburn High School 
We didn't play Auburn High. We have Auburn High later on in the show. We played Hoover High School coach Mm -hmm. and then Auburn University soccer coach Karen Hoppe, the interview that uh, Dan Peck and I did on the drive on Tuesday. So, yes, thank you, Carter, for the correction. Auburn High, we have a little bit of audio from him later on, but... What we're going to do uh, now is uh, we've got some Auburn football stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. We have some uh, NCAA stuff to talk about because they may uh, may not be uh, what uh, – look, we all have our opinions about the NCAA, but we're going to talk about some things that are going on behind closed doors that are trying to maybe push the NCAA out just a little bit. We have some of that to talk about and some more here to start off hour number two. Uh, like we always do on Thursdays, we're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast at 3.30. So excited to talk to him uh, about everything going on around the SEC. He's always a great interview. So we'll talk to Chris Gordy on the phone at 3.30. Again, talking everything going on around the SEC since he is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. But, Carter, to start hour number two, uh, some comments from the defense for Auburn yesterday talking about the quarterbacks. What can you tell us? Well, yeah, you had you had Marcus Harris talk about all three quarterbacks. We talked a little bit about what he said about Robbie Ashford, but the full quote is, Robbie can get out of the pocket. If the rush lane isn't perfect, he can find the smallest crease. This camp, they focused on on Robbie running. Uh, and the it's 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 a different aspect that he brings to the table than the other quarterbacks. Then when we talk about Zach Calzada, he said Zach's been a great teammate. He opened up to the team and shared his thoughts about how he thinks the team can get better. Uh, and he said when when they play against him, he always finds a way to get out of the pocket and, or, and throw it away or make a play. And then finally, his quote on T.J. Finley is T.J.'s getting the ball out quicker. Uh, when the when the D line gets there, he's He's improved with how to handle pressure, and then he also mentioned that he's finding open receivers when they're when they're there, and he's been good at getting out of the pocket and running, and that's been a little bit of a surprise to the Auburn defense at this point. Which, which I'll be honest, with what we've seen out of him so far, that that is a bit surprising to see them them talking about TJ and his running ability, just because he hasn't really shown that much mobility to this point in his career. Well, I mean, we all know he's a big guy, right? He is a very tall and built guy at the quarterback position. And like you said, last year, T.J. Finley didn't really show a whole lot of movement when the defense would collapse. Besides Georgia State, yeah, that's Georgia State. It's Georgia State. When the defense collapsed on him late last year, there really wasn't anywhere for him to go. He kind of yeah, I mean, just he was sacked seven times yeah, in the Iron Bowl. Exactly. He just kind of went down, and and you know it took two or three guys to get him down because he is such a tall, big quarterback, but. He just really didn't go anywhere. And so it is interesting to hear that he has some mobility. We know what Robbie Ashford can do with his feet. We saw him do it in the spring game. Uh, we Again, we saw what he can do. We mm-hmm. know that's the type of quarterback he is right now. Can he develop to be a passer, whether it's this year, if he is the starter in, what, 18 or 16 days, I think mm-hmm. we are now, uh, from kickoff? And so can Robbie Ashford develop into that passer, or is he going to be strictly that runner? We're going to have to wait and see. If TJ rolls out there in game one against Mercer, I really am I'm going to be watching to see just how, how much more mobile is he. How much has he found a way to – I don't know if it whether it be – lean up, uh, work on agility, find ways to be more dynamic in the pocket. Uh, and you don't have to be crazy d- dynamic. I mean, look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady is 
the best there is when it comes to moving in the pocket to avoid pressure, to buy time. Just stepping and, up in the pocket. Yeah, it's stepping up in the pro- in the pocket, maybe doing a slide step right or left to, to avoid pressure. Nobody's better at it. And he can buy that time, find the open guy, and deliver the pass. If TJ can do that, and then maybe if he has a little bit of, of, of ability, if things just really break down, he can scramble and get a handful of yards. That'll be encouraging for, for me, and I would I would welcome that for sure. So all you're saying is that TJ Finley has to become Tom Brady and everything will be fine. Yeah, basically. <laughs> hey, hey. That, if, that's if, right. If TJ Finley wants to do his best Tom Brady impersonation for the 2022 season, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that. nobody's going to be mad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody would be mad. But no, you're exactly right. When it comes to TJ, he's just very – what we saw last year was just very one-dimensional. He takes the snap. He stands there. If the guy's open, he may throw it, and the accuracy was not always there. We did see him make some good throws. We did see him make some good plays, but I do want to see him, if he is going to be the starter, he's going to have to have gotten better at those things, moving within the pocket, hitting uh, receivers with some better timing and some better accuracy. We'll see if he's able to do that. Same thing with Robbie Ashford. We know he can run the football, but can he throw it? So far during spring, the times that we've seen the media – the accuracy has not been his strong suit, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely going to be the theme, but that's, as as Christian said yesterday, I mean, that's just not really the quarterback that he is right now. Now, the, the interesting thing for me is, is of the other two guys, who, because I think everybody in that quarterback room has a strong arm and can can really let it loose and show off their cannon, for me, it is a matter of how much can can you use touch when it needs to happen. When you when you need to to clear a linebacker, but you can't just leave it way up there because a safety will come and pick it off over the top. Can you find that kind of intermediate, that layered pass? And uh, if you've got a tight end running up the seam, or or when you know you have a running back like and my example my example is always Sean Shivers because I. Never really thought he had great hands for as much as he was used in the passing game. But um, when you do have a running back who's five yards in front of you or running a little, like, rail route or something... You've got to be able to hit it. Can you... But but hit it, but not overpower them. And, mm-hmm. like, you have to be... Like I said yesterday, there are scenarios where you have to be able to throw a change-up because whoever it is receiving the pass may not have the strongest hands to be able to just pick a 100-mile-an-hour fastball in there. And 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 whoever can do that, for me, I think is going to be best set up in this offense because then then that opens up the – the running back out of the backfield and everything like that. And from what we know from these three quarterbacks, you would think that would be Zach Calzada from what we saw at Texas A&M, him sounds, throwing the football. Yet it sounds like it's it's TJ Finley. I know. And which is which is sounds like a positive development cuz last year when when everybody wanted TJ Finley to push Bo Nix, something you heard a lot of was TJ Finley lacked the the touch and it was it was they knew how strong his arm was and he liked to show it off but but it was the the ability to throw those touch passes that was that was important that that he didn't quite have last year so if he is if he is successfully using a little more touch when it's necessary 
I think that's a great development for for this quarterback room and TJ Finley specifically going into 2022. And something we talked about was I, I would hope that the fan base would feel, because I think you and I can agree on this, if TJ Finley has truly gotten better and he truly is the man for the job and he is named the starter and can prove that he is the starter, aren't we okay with that? Yeah. No, I mean, no it's the uh, – <laughs> I don't know why this is the image in my head. You, you know the – WWE matches where there's the ladder and the briefcase up the yeah, top. The money in if the bank, has, baby. Yeah, if he has if he has climbed the ladder and he has and he has shown that improvement and he has gone and gotten that briefcase, then I'm hundred percent fine with it. But right. if if the if nobody can make it up the ladder and it's kind of status quo and the briefcase just falls off the uh off the wire into his hands, that's not what I want. I want I want I want him to go take it. What I don't want is for a starter, no matter who it is, week one in 16 days, for a starter to be named, him have a subpar performance. Because, look, I think at this point we can all agree and admit week one, you're going to see multiple quarterbacks. You're Mm going to see at least two, possibly all three in that first game. What I don't want is these first two games have two different starters, nobody play great, and going into the Penn State game in week three, we have no earthly idea who the starter is going to be. That is what concerns me right now because nobody has yeah. separated themselves. Nobody has, to the, to the extent we would like to see, we know and are hearing that TJ Finley has maybe separated himself a little bit. I think Friday, tomorrow is huge for the scrimmage to see where these guys stand after a big-time week at practice. Yeah. But my biggest fear is going into the Penn State game, we still don't know who the true starter is going to be for this football team. And if you don't have a starter by week three against Penn State, even if you somehow squeak by because you're the better team, the rest of the season is going to be a disaster because then at that point, nobody's good enough to run this team. And look at the schedule. If you don't have a good quarterback, it's going to be a brutal season for Auburn. Yeah, the uh, the uh, difficulty sliders turn up when you go to Athens in Week Six. It gets tougher and every game, and from that point on, there's there's really no there's no cupcake game besides Western Kentucky. Which which let's be real here, Western Kentucky ha- could score some points last year. Yeah, they had they had my boy my favorite quarterback in college football last year Bailey Zappi who if you remember during the uh, pandemic season took Houston Baptist to Lubbock and almost beat them by throwing for 600 yards in that game it was one of the most fun things I've ever seen <laughs> but uh also if you're if you're curious go look at Houston Baptist uh football stadium yeah it stands on one side and a CVS on the other it's nice. amazing nice uh but so if you basically <laughs> if you need you know if you need a drink or you need to go over there and get some tylenol or something because you got to hit too hard you can just run across the road go to cvs yeah, and come back like the the other there's the opposing sideline and directly behind it is the parking lot <laughs> of the cv cvs i love it i but, love uh, it that's but, so funny so this western kentucky team i mean i wouldn't just count them as like you can show up roll the helmets out there and the Auburn helmet's going to beat the Western Kentucky helmet every time like I well, think it's somebody you, you you have to keep you have to keep in mind could be dangerous but I would say I would say that once that Georgia game hits you need to feel confident in who the quarterback is otherwise this thing could turn south and that, badly yeah and that's it right there you need to have confidence who the quarterback is going to be i don't care if it honestly, takes pr- honestly by by lsu for sure oh yeah for sure i don't care if it takes two or three or I, I guess i don't care if it takes two games to find out who that guy is but by the penn state game you have got to have you've got to have your starter 
you've got to have your guy who is going to be starting football games because after that Penn State game, I don't want to be changing quarterbacks in the Missouri game. I don't want to be changing quarterbacks in the LSU game. I for sure don't want to be taking a new starter into Athens. If you're having to do that all year long, you can just go ahead and write and write the eviction notice for Brian Harson and his coaching staff. They can sell the house and move out of Auburn because they won't be here next year. By the Penn yeah. State game, Auburn needs to have a fully confident, ready-to-go starter that everybody is behind. Because if you don't, the season's going to fall off the rails within the first five games. I've talked about those are the most important of the entire season. You're going to go two and three, and you're going to lose all your games. Harson will have one of the worst seasons in Auburn history because he won't win any games if you don't have a good starter who yeah. everybody's confident in. And right now, you don't have that. Yeah, I mean, I think when the, when the, lights, when the lights come on in the opener against Mercer... TJ Finley is going to have that opportunity to show us the improvement and show us that that uh, a little bit of everybody's favorite term to use right now that he has a little bit of dog in him. Right. If he doesn't, I in in my mind I feel like I know Zach Zach Calzada has a little bit of that dog in him because we've toughness. seen it. Yes. So so TJ is going to get his chance to show it, and if he doesn't show it in those first two games, I. I would be fairly quick to the to Zach Calzada as as my guy from that point on. Well, there's no doubt that tomorrow's scrimmage for Auburn is massive. We're going to see who's taken a big step from last week's scrimmage to this week's scrimmage. We'll see what the coaches tell us and what they tell the media uh, because uh, it is closed. The scrimmage is it's closed off to everybody, and so we don't obviously get to see it, but. Brian Hart is going to tell us what's going on. He's been really good at that so far, telling us what's going on and and where everybody stands, not just in this quarterback battle, but in every other position, everybody on the team. So who takes that next step? Who separates themselves from the pack? Is it one of them from the other two, or is it two from the other one? We're going to find out. I think it'll probably be Zach Calzada, TJ Finley, separating from Robbie Ashford. But Mm -hmm. look, I think right now the fan base would more likely, or I guess be the most satisfied if Zach Calzada is the starter but I don't know what do you guys think 334-321-1390 that's the number to put you through to us who do you want to start right now if you if the season was today who do you want to be the starting quarterback for Auburn University we'll talk about that on the other side of this break that's the question of the day we said it a little early but hey that's the question of the day right now who do you want starting mm-hmm. at the quarterback position for Auburn? Give us a call. 334-321-1390. We'll discuss that as we are off and running here in hour number two on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If if Auburn was playing tonight, if they were playing Mercer tonight or tomorrow, who would you want to be the starter for Auburn football at the quarterback position? That's the question of the day. 334-321-1390. Call us in in the next couple of minutes. We're going to discuss that. Remember, at 3.30, we're going to talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, uh, like we always do on Thursday afternoons, talking to him about this quarterback battle. I know he has an opinion about it and everything else going on around the SEC. So we'll talk to him at 3.30. But Carter... It's a, it's a difficult question to answer because oh, yeah. we don't fully know what we're getting out of these quarterbacks yet, but 
if you, without any scrimmage besides the first one, without any actual in-game visuals that we have seen, because we haven't seen it yet this year, if you had to choose, who would you be most comfortable with playing the quarterback position as the starter game one against Mercer and why? Well, like I said last segment, I'm totally open to letting TJ Finley uh, prove me wrong in the first first in the season opener against Mercer and letting him prove that he's improved. But I, on the sample size that I've seen of them play in real games, I, I have to go. I have to go Calzada. I mean, I like, like I've said in the past, I just don't think this, the the Alabama game, is a level of play that over all of T.J. Finley's career we have not seen. We have not seen a proof a proof of concept that this is what this guy can be in in a live game scenario. And Zach Calzada has shown you that. And so I think give get him out there, get him comfortable in the system, give him time to maybe catch up from the shoulder injury. Wait, you're saying give somebody at Auburn time to actually be successful and do something good? What? Are you sure? Well, I know we we never do that <laughs> as as the people who are always around uh, Auburn Auburn football and Auburn athletics. I mean, everybody the the backup quarterback has been the most popular player on Auburn football teams for a decade. It feels like, but um, yes, I I want if you're asking me, I want I want Zach Calzada out there, and even if he's a little behind because of the shoulder injury. I think he's your long-term guy potentially, or and then if if you want to say Gurner and Ashford down the road, but I don't view I don't view T.J. Finley as a long-term option at the quarterback at Auburn. I and just based off what I've seen in game. If I were to answer this right now, based off of what we have seen in the past, because we can't, you and I cannot answer this <laughs> based off what happens in practice. We can very, very slimly, just like the rest of the media, you only get a certain amount of time to watch practice. But in that 20 minute window, they practice for two or three hours. So you don't know what happens during the full practice. And so we cannot answer based off of that. The only people that can do that are the coaches that are there. Of course, we'd all love to hear what Brian Harson has to say about this right now. But from our perspective and from my perspective, if Brian Harson was to come out this afternoon right now at, at, at 3.30 and say, we've named a starter for game one against Mercer, the guy that I would feel the most comfortable when he named the starter would be Zach Calzada. Mm-hmm. If he names TJ Finley the starter, I'm not going to to just lose my mind I'm not going to quit on the season I'm not going to cuss and throw my hands in the air same thing with Robbie Ashford I might be on edge more going into the season I'm going to be on some edge (laughs) yes but we've talked about it where we've heard that TJ Finley has improved we've heard that Robbie Ashford does some good things and we have talked about how the first two games of the season we look we complained about it for a while because we have nothing to look forward to in the first two games because it's Mercer and San Jose State but now there's a little bit of a benefit to these first two games because it gives Auburn some time for a buffer to figure out who the right man for the job is at the quarterback position before the Penn State game but if Brian Harson were to name a starter today the guy I would feel most comfortable with that the starter would be named would be Zach Calzada 
I think what we've seen from him in the past, what he can become, and his overall potential and skill set at the quarterback position, I think he would give Auburn the best chance to win. Does that come off of what is happening at practice? We don't know because we're not there, so we can't answer based off of that. But if you're asking me, if Brian Harsel were to name a starter today, I would feel the most comfortable if the name that came out of his mouth was Zach Calzada. I I 100% agree, Uh, and if... You can dog Calzada for the for the first few games at Texas a and but keep in mind, like they kind of had built that offense around Haynes King's skill set. It was a little more mobile, a little more of that dual threat guy, and Calzada kind of got thrown into the fire uh, in some big spots. And I think think initially it was a little bit shock, of a shock to the system, but then but then you saw him really battle back and compete and show improvement over the course of that season. You've had, you've had two different seasons of pockets of work for T.J. Finley. At LSU, there's four or five-game sample. At Auburn, there's a three-and-a-half-game sample. And really, three-and-a-quarter-game three sample. Um, you have not seen... like what I, The improvement I saw of Zach Calzada over the course of last season, I can't say that I saw from T.J. Finley from LSU to Auburn. Now you hear the buzz about improvement right now, but again, I it is a I, I will believe it when he shows it to me on September third. And again, if he has improved, and I when we see him and we believe that he can actually lead this offense and score some points, I think that's the biggest thing. Let's score some points and let's not turn the ball over. If TJ Finley can do those two things. Put name him as the starter then that's fine with me I don't care what the name is on the back of the jersey I care how guy, how good the guy can play and how good he makes Auburn on the offensive side can we put a guy at the quarterback position that's going to win games and not lose games for Auburn we saw it at the end of last year TJ Finley was not winning games for Auburn wasn't necessarily losing games but he wasn't winning any games. Again, the Iron Bowl, they didn't win because they couldn't score. The bowl game, they didn't win because they couldn't score. That was TJ Finley in the offense. Uh, I, I just put the guy out there that can score. That's my thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's give me the guy who can unlock the passing game enough so, so you teams can't stack the box and key on Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and these running backs because they know it, they know that the passing game is not sustained enough to be able to 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 really I guess open things up. It's not a threat to push the ball down the field. I want you you hear all this buzz about these these receivers right now. The Camden Browns, the Jay Fair, Javarius Johnson, Shed Shed Jackson, Malcolm Johnson, all of these guys. Give me somebody who can unlock the passing game, can unlock the skill set of those guys. Malcolm Johnson is a guy who can fly. Javarius is really shifty. Jay Fair is similar to that. Mm-hmm. Coy Moore has a guy who has stepped up in, since transferring in. Candon Brown apparently is, according to, according to Christian, talking to him yesterday, Beast mode. Was, was very reminiscent to this point of freshman Seth Williams. Mm-hmm. I want whoever unlocks the passing game enough to free up the running backs to to have the success that we know that they're capable of i just want the guy that's gonna win games man i want the guy that can score i want the consistent quarterback i'm tired of auburn having guys that 
like we've talked about, can go out and do miraculous things at LSU on the road, but then blow, you know, big time leads against Mississippi State because you can't score. I don't want to have a quarterback that just flat out can't score. I don't want to have the quarterback that just runs around for his life and slings it up and hopes to God that somebody comes down with it. I want the guy that you know when he steps on the field. He's going to do good things. He's not going to do too many bad things. And overall, you've got a really good chance to win the game because this guy is at the quarterback position. We have an idea who we think that is, but as of right now, we have no idea. 30 more minutes here in the Thursday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. We're going to have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, when we come back. With Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Well, as always, on Thursday afternoons, we have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on On the Line. Chris, it's getting closer and closer to football season, my friend. We have so much to talk about. And to start it off, the other day on your show, the Locked On SEC podcast, you talked to Ronnie Brown about the Auburn offseason and Auburn in general. What are some of the highlights that Ronnie had to say uh, during your, your interview with him? Um, you know, he just kind of said, you know, uh, first and foremost, you know, that Brian Harson, you know, was able to weather this offseason with all the, you know, distractions and things that were about. And he just thinks that this group of you know, Auburn coaches and players is going to be even a, even a more tightly knit group that you've got a situation where a coach is uh, rallying around, um, you know, or, or rather, the, you know, the players and everybody are going to rally around this this group and, and Coach Arson, and um, and they're going to play inspired football. Now, again, are, are they going to win games? That's the biggest thing at the end of the day. But uh, Ronnie seemed to be pretty optimistic about it. And the other thing I asked him, you know, I said, I said, do you see a little bit of Ronnie Brown and Tank Bigsby? And he said, no. He said he's his own. He's his own guy. He's his own uh, style running back. Um, you know, certainly at, at times you could see shades of of him and Cadillac in there but uh he seems to think you know Tank Bigsby is gonna set his own path and you know I I keep saying I think he's gonna be you know one of the league leaders and you know probably gonna uh, be close to leading rusher in the SEC this year and I'll I'll keep saying that but um yeah I just uh, it was a really good conversation with Ronnie I know he's excited to be you know back in the program um you know, around around the Auburn program, just like his running mate Cadillac Williams is. And uh, it's just good to have both those guys back. Chris, are you surprised that a, a guy like Ronnie is so optimistic about this, about the how the offseason ended, you know, that Brian Harson did survive, and that about the upcoming season? Are you surprised about his optimism, or is it something you expected? Well, you know, he, he's, keep in mind, he's part of the, the, the radio broadcast now, and so, you know, you've got to be, you got to toe the line a little bit, and you you know it's um, I don't want to say it's rah rah, but you kind of have to have a little bit of that. So I think I think that's kind of the feeling around a lot of people with Auburn right now is that is that you're hoping, right? You're, you're optimistic and you're hoping for the best because you know honestly, who wants who wants Auburn to go out there and stink this year? And then you're talking about another hot seat situation and another buyout and another coaching search. I mean, this this thing gets old after a while, right? I mean, you want to. 
you want to find somebody and, and, and have them find consistency with your program and win. And, you know, maybe you're not going to win big every year, but at least every other year you want to be competing for an SEC West title. And um, I, I think that's what Auburn fans want. I mean, it felt like Malzahn, you know, he was, he was kind of doing that every two to three years. He had them very competitive, and it was just like, you know, with, with the expectations for the Auburn program, no, man, every year you should be competing, and every year you should have a chance to beat Alabama. And, you know, okay, if it's a nine-win, eight-win, nine-win season, that's fine, but next year we've got to win ten games. You know, that's, that's kind of how the expectations are in the SEC this year, and I think that's kind of the same. You know, when I look at an LSU, when I look at an Auburn, when I look at Florida, I kind of put all those schools on the same level you know, just a slight notch below Alabama and Georgia because I think expectations for them now, I think Georgia gets on Alabama level where, you know, they should be competing for championships every year. And if they're not, that fan base is going to be, you know, stewing. Uh, I think just one notch below that is your LSU, your Auburn, your Florida, where, you know, the, the fan base says, hey, look, we get it. We're not going to win big every year, but every other year we absolutely better be competing. Yeah, we are uh, talking to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on On the Line. Chris, you talked about if if Auburn goes out and were to stink this year, then potentially you're looking at another coach buyout, a new coaching search. In your mind, what does Auburn have to do this year to bring everybody on this coaching staff back for, for 2023? Well, I, I, again, like I, I think it's, it's as simple as saying – you got to win. I mean, it, it really is. We could, we could talk about the warm and fuzzies. We could talk about, you know, man, I love this guy, and I love this, this coaching staff, and I love these coordinators, and, uh, man, you know, we're going to get these guys drafted high, and, you know, hey, let's beat our chest. We had two or three first-round picks, and none of that means anything if you don't win. And I think that's where we are now with, with Brian Arson is, you know, towards the backstretch of last season – there was literally a conversation. I remember talking about this on my show saying, man, what's the scenario here where if Auburn gets a little help, they can still win the SEC West. That was a legitimate conversation last November. And then suddenly things went sideways and they went on the losing streak. And, uh, you know, obviously we know how the, the Iron Bowl ended and then the bowl game. And, and I, and I really think, man, if just a few things go their way, if they're able to run out the clock and they win the Iron Bowl, and, you know, granted, had they done that, they'd have been in a better bowl game than playing Houston. But let's just say for argument's sake, they, they beat Houston in the bowl game too. Man, I, I think that everybody's opinion is just very different on this coaching staff and the hope for the future. Saying, man, Brian Harson in year one slayed the Dragon and beat Alabama and knocked him out of the playoff. I think everybody would be throwing a parade. So, um, man, it's, it, it's as simple to say he's just got to win. I think there's a great opportunity with the way the schedule sets up. You know, granted, you, you get a really tough Penn State team, but you get them in your house. You know, you should be 4-0 going into that LSU game. And granted, LSU's in transition, and, and you get them in your house. So, man, if, if, if Harson does this right and they start off 5-0, I think uh, I, I think everybody's going to start feeling really good about them. But, again, you know, what's it look like on the back end? Obviously, you know, two of your last three games are against A&M and Alabama. You lose both of those, and – you know, you you play a sloppy game against Western Kentucky, and the natives will get restless again. But um, at the end of the day, guys, this 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 conference is very simple to figure out. Win games. That's what people want. They want improvement over last year. We're speaking with Chris Gordy on the phone, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on On the Line. Chris, the conversation here in Auburn over the last week or so is 
who is going to be quarterback one? What is your perspective uh, from uh, from the outside of Auburn looking in on this entire quarterback battle here on the Plains? Guys, at this point, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, <laughs> I, I thought I thought I had this thing figured out. I thought it was going to be Zach Calzada. Um, you know, I like T.J. Finley a lot. He's a kid I, I, I followed in, in, in high school and watched him play games at Ponchatoula in Louisiana. I uh, was excited when he finally got an opportunity to start at LSU. I thought you know, his first start, I want to say, was against the South Carolina team where he played really well and you know, looked in control of the offense and looked like uh, you know, it wasn't too, the moment wasn't too big for him. And you know, Obviously, things happen, and he ends up hitting the transfer portal and goes to Auburn and is backing up Bo Nix. And you know, when this, everything happened with Bo last season, he gets in there to start. I was like, all right, here it is. Here's the chance for TJ to grab the Bulls, bull by the horns and – you know, he just didn't. It was very inconsistent play, um, you know, in those games he played last year. At times he looked timid. At times the accuracy was not there. And, and I don't know what happened because that wasn't the kid that I saw at LSU play as a true freshman starting games in the SEC and, and looking fearless. So, um, you know, I've been hearing great things about TJ the last few days. People have been saying he, he looks like the guy now. And, and if, that's, if that's the case, then more power to him. I, I wish TJ nothing but the best. And he's going to be the starter for Auburn. It's because he earned it, and it's because he's fixed those mistakes from last year. Um, I just wonder, you know, will will the bad TJ come back to, to nip you in the butt and see some of those bad habits he fell into last year? I hope not. But, um, again, you know, I, I, I still think Calzada's not out of this thing. You know, he was behind the eight ball having the shoulder surgery and getting into this thing late, uh, you know, coming out of spring and, and then getting into fall camp. But, uh, you know, then there's people I talk to keep telling me Robbie Ashford continues to impress, and it's weird because he shouldn't be. You know, this is a guy that was brought in to be, you know, a number two or number three guy and not start. You know, or at least the expectations were not that he would be in the hunt. Uh, you know, I had somebody tell me in the spring, zero chance Robbie Ashford is starting for Auburn. And so, um, again, I, I, maybe it's all smoke. Maybe it's all smoke and mirrors just to trick everybody when we hear. You know the coaching staff get up there and, and brag about each one of these guys, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna dissect it and say it's a good thing. If all three of these guys are doing good things in camp, then I would say maybe it's a good sign that uh, whoever they go with is going to be the guy who earns it and, and is gives Auburn the best chance to win games. Chris, as Auburn goes through this quarterback battle with three guys seemingly being uh, uh, an option to be the quarterback. What does a good, successful SEC West quarterback look like in 2022? Man, I mean, look, there, there was a time about a decade ago, guys, 10 to 15 years ago, you could win in this league with a game manager. You could win with a guy. I mean, I think back to, to LSU, uh, their championship team in 03 had a guy named Matt Mock, who is now a dentist in the Den- Denver area, never – yeah, he had a cup of coffee with the Denver Broncos, but he is uh, he's a full-time dentist now. He was a guy who just made winning plays for LSU. He wasn't a gunslinger. Uh, 07, their championship team. You had, you know, Matt Flynn, who, who kind of did the same thing. Now, Flynn had, I think, a 300-yard passing game or two in there, so he was pretty good. And then the 2011 LSU team, they split time with Jarrett Lee and Jordan Jefferson, and both those guys were kind of thought to be game managers. Um, you know, I go back to Auburn with Nick Marshall. You know, there were times where it was you looked at Nick and went, hey, man, just don't lose us the game. Just make winning plays. So I think that time has passed. You cannot win 
you know, win the win this conference, win 11, 12 games, get where you want to be with a game manager. You need a gamer. Um, you know, Stetson Bennett, I think, is a guy that people maybe at one point last year would have considered him a game manager, except when you go back and dissect the stats to look at the film, Stetson Bennett made game-winning plays. And we saw that particularly in the fourth quarter of the national championship game. So, um, you know, do you have to be what Bama's had with Tua and Mac Jones and and now Bryce Young with a quarterback thrown at 300, 400 yards a game? I don't think you need that, but you need some semblance of that. You know, you don't need Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winning, you know, guy flinging it all over, but you need a little bit of that. You know, you're not going to win games anymore in this conference throwing for 150 yards and one touchdown. Like, it's you've got to have a guy, a gamer, who can make you some big plays. Uh, and with Auburn, I, you know, look, the run game is going to be, be a big part of it. If they're in games where Tech Bigsby gets taken away or Jacquez Hunter and the run game's not there, what's plan B? You know, is there a plan B? And that's where I think the quarterback position needs to be a guy that, you know, look at K.J. Jefferson last year, a guy who can throw for, you know, at least 225 a game, you know, can use his legs at time to, to buy more time if he's a runner, even even better. Um but that's kind of the, the floor, I'd say, at this point in the SEC. If you don't have that at minimum, then you ain't, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to win six, seven games a year if you don't have a, a playmaking quarterback. Chris, there was some, some other, speaking of quarterbacks, some news this week at LSU with Miles Brennan stepping away from football. How does that affect that LSU quarterback room? How does that affect that offense going into 2022? And what are your thoughts on how all that went down? It was very interesting because if you'd asked me in the spring, I would have said, you know, Miles Brennan was a starter. He was the six-year guy who, you know, had backed up Joe Burrow at one point and, you know, was going to be the guy in, in 20, 2020, um, you know, threw for 400 yards against, uh, I think it was Mississippi State, 300 yards against Missouri, and then he gets hurt and he's done for the year. Last season, he was ready to be the guy, and two weeks before fall camp, he goes on a fishing trip trips over his flip-flops on the dock, breaks his arm, and he's done for the year. Uh, it was just injuries and everything derailed this kid's career, but it just felt like, man, he's coming back, that senior leader who's coming back for the storybook ending, and it just didn't happen. You know, I think being away from football basically the last, you know, year plus hurt him, uh, not being able to to hone and refine his skills and all that, and we saw, um, you know, we saw a camp where he was running third string. It was it was Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer ahead of him, and the coaching staff pulled him aside this weekend and let him know that and say, hey, look, you know, I don't know what you want to do. You make your decision, but you're third string and you're not competing for the starting job anymore. And I think Miles looked at it and said, look, I've already got my degree. I just got engaged. You know, football's I like football, but I don't love football. I'm going to hang it up and have my whole life ahead of me. And I think Miles Brennan's going to be successful in whatever he chooses to do, but uh, it's not going to be football anymore. And now it's between – the redshirt freshman and Garrett Nussmeyer, who got in some game action last year. He's got a little Brett Favre in him, a little bit of a gunslinger, not afraid to push it and throw it downfield. Now, you know, what, what happens with a gunslinger? Sometimes he throws touchdowns, sometimes he throws interceptions. That's part of what Garrett Nussmeyer is. Uh, are they willing to go in all in on that kid and, and, and experiment with him and see what he can do? Or are they going to go with the safe play at this point, which is Jaden Daniels, who you know has 30 starts under his belt at Arizona State, has – mobility and running ability, which Brian Harson and, and Mike Denbrock value so much. And I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to go with Jaden Daniels. I just don't know 
what the S, you know, how does Jaden Daniels compete in the SEC? We saw him in the Pac-12. He was pretty good. He won some games there, scored some points. But how does he look against SEC defenses? This will be the true test. And if he ends up being named the starter, I think it's going to be a really fascinating to see, uh, thing to see for Brian Kelly in, in year one in the SEC because uh, if he performs well, LSU can win eight, nine, maybe even ten games if everything fo- goes right for them. If not, they're going to six or seven win team. We've got Chris Gordy of the Locked On SEC podcast on the phone. Chris, always great talking to you. We are 16 days away from uh, from most of the teams starting. We're less than that from college football in general, my man. Always great to have you on the show. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Locked On SEC. Yeah, LockedOnSEC.com, the easiest way to find the podcast. If you want to see the video version, you can search us on YouTube. And I would encourage you, if you missed it, uh, check out our interview with Ronnie Brown. Really good talk on uh, the Auburn program. Go check that out. And, guys, we're going to make a prediction. Uh I'll talk to you next week at this time. We will have a starting quarterback named for Auburn. All right. Well, I I think Auburn fans are excited to hear that. We'll see if you're right. We'll talk to you next week on Thursday, my man. All right, guys. Thanks. That was Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You heard it from him. He predicts Auburn will have a starter named by this time next week. We'll see if he's right. Let's take our final break here in hour number two. We'll come back, wrap up this Thursday edition of On the Line before me and Carter head to Chambers Academy for Lee Scott High School football. Stay tuned. We'll wrap it up when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Thursday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika sports leader. Big, big thank you to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here on this Thursday edition of On the Line. He always brings great stuff uh, from news around the Southeastern Conference. We talked a lot about Auburn and the quarterback situation. Carter, he made a prediction, not on who the quarterback was going to be, (laughs) but he thinks by this time next week we will have a starter named uh, for Auburn next week. We'll see if he's right. I think this scrimmage tomorrow, it, it, it holds so much... Um, it, there's a, so much riding on this scrimmage tomorrow, right, for Auburn to get a quarterback, not necessarily to name them Friday or Saturday, but to see that little bit of separation, that's what we're looking for tomorrow. Oh, I mean, no no doubt at all. I mean, it's it's tomorrow is going to be the biggest day of fall camp for Auburn. And it's 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 how do how do the quarterbacks look and if even if there's not an official starter I think we're going to know who the starter is going to be probably by this time on Saturday. Where I mean, I I like I think that that there will be, have to be some sort of movement that you know the general direction things are trending, and I don't really see many opportunities where that could flip after tomorrow. Well, we're only 16 days away from kickoff, yeah, and close. we and we've talked about this week a lot where. You've got to get a starter named so you can start getting some reps for your quarterback with the first team and get all of uh, first team reps rather than having to split them up. That's got to be done sooner rather than later. We'll see how that goes. The scrimmage is tomorrow. We're going to talk about this a lot more on tomorrow's show, uh, but you and I are about to hit the road. And reminder to all, if you're looking for something to listen to or watch tonight, tune in to AU100 here in the Auburn Opelika area. That's 100.3 on your radio dial. For the Lee Scott Sports Network, Lee Scott Academy football takes on Chambers Academy tonight. Broadcast starts at 6.30. Kickoff is at 7. You can catch me and Carter on the broadcast. I'll be doing play-by 
play-by-play. Carter will be doing color and camera work. 6.30 broadcast time, 7 o'clock kickoff, AU100, that's 100.3 on your radio dial, uh, the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page, or on the Lee Scott Sports Network YouTube channel. We're excited to get the season started. High school football season is officially here. Auburn High starts tomorrow night as they play Hoover up in Montgomery. We're excited, man. I, I know you are. I am as well, uh, being the voice of the Lee Scott Warriors. I got to wrap up the baseball season. We've been getting ready for football, and man, it's finally here. Uh, high school season, it's different than college, but it's so exciting to get to watch young players uh, try to I mean, trying to win some games, grow as brothers, and, and, and ultimately try to make it to the college game. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. It's going to be an exciting time. It's, it's a really great time of year. It's the time that it feels like the back half of the summer, you, you're counting down the days to win. Literally. To win. Football is back, and this today is the first day that it really starting to sink in that here we are. It's it's the fall. It's football season, and things are about to kick off. Well, we're ready for it. Head coach Buster Daniel of the Lee Scott Warriors football team. He's going to have them ready to play tonight. Chambers Academy on the road starts at or broadcast starts at six thirty. Game at seven on the Lee Scott Sports Network on AU one hundred on the radio. Uh, Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page and the Lee Scott Sports Network YouTube channel. Again, Auburn High plays tomorrow against Hoover. That'll be on the Auburn High Sports Network over on Wings ninety four three. Our sisters station here at Auburn Network so we've got a lot of high school coverage we're 16 days away from Auburn University getting started a football season is here that's all we can say the countdown to Auburn continues college football starts next week because there's the week zero games Vanderbilt is in that uh, in that mix as they will be playing Hawaii on the road Football season's here, man. It's exciting. We're excited to get started uh, with Lee Scott. We're excited for the high school season and, of course, the college season as well. We're 16 days away from Auburn. Chris Gordy thinks we'll have a quarterback this time next week for Auburn University. We'll see if he's right. Come back tomorrow. We're going to talk a whole lot more about Auburn and some high school ball. But that's all we got for today. We got to hit the road, my friend. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later.